Welcome to the Bethel Church Sermon of the Week. You'll be able to find your weekly sermon podcasts in multiple languages at Bethel.com forward slash podcasts, as well as all other major podcast players. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Bill Johnson. To access other resources, visit Bethel.tv or shop.bethel.com. Good morning. Still morning. Good morning. Good morning. A couple weeks ago, I was in Alaska with uh, four of my grandsons, took them fishing for salmon. And those salmon, they pretended like they didn't want to sacrifice their lives to sustain revival. But I knew they did. I knew they did. And so we captured the opportunity and have been celebrating Jehovah Jireh ever since. And we honestly had such an amazing time. We, we flew in these little cub planes, you know, and five of us and flew, landed on a beach and fished, you know. And saw grizzlies, had a grizzly come about 30 yards away. That was very entertaining. Yeah, yeah. And the door flew open on the plane when uh, my youngest uh, grandson on the trip, Cruz, uh, said he thought he was going to die. He was, he was in the seat next to the open door, so had, had to do a little repair on that uh, door, but uh, thank you, Jesus, for seatbelts. So you always wear seatbelts. So we, we did well. I'm sure you weren't praying for us, but you know you would have had you known. And, uh, and I'm thankful. I, I got home and... and uh, my mother-in-law, my wife's uh, mom, was her health was declining very rapidly. And so uh, I got to, uh, uh, last, I think it was Monday night, got to go and spend the night with family around her bed. And, and she lived through the night, through the next day, and, and I returned the next night. And I happened to be there when, uh, when she stepped into glory. And, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> hard moments... Hard moments are oftentimes your most important moments, and you don't want to you don't want to miss an opportunity uh, to get exposed to eternity. It's uh, it's a gift. It's a gift from God, and so we uh, we spent the time together as a family. I remember, I think it was the night before she's in a in, in a coma, and and I, I went over to uh, hug her goodbye as going back to the house and after spending the night there and. And uh, so I, just, I went up to her and just hugged her. And as soon as I did, she went, oh, she just began to worship again. She just, she, uh, she was, she is this worship. She's really worshiping now, but she was, she practiced for a long time before she got, before she got home. And uh, it was, it was really quite, quite amazing. So I got home uh, in the wee hours after she uh, stepped into eternity. I laid down for a couple hours to get some sleep and then got up and went to jury duty. And uh, I experienced something I never experienced before, having a marshal wake you up in the jury room because you fell asleep. So I asked, how could they have known I was asleep? Only because the travail and intercessions I was making, I'm sure. Oh, the, 
Oh. In Weaverville, when I, I was marriage counseling, and I fell asleep. Yeah. They, they never listened to me anyway, so it was all right. It was, that, one, that one made sense. <laughs> I don't think they ever noticed. I, I'm serious. I, I actually fell asleep while we're, we're conversing, and... Uh, and I realized I'd been sleeping. I woke up and they were just still talking. So, <laughs> seemed like it all worked good to me. So, oh, where was I? All right, good morning. Nice to see you. Glad you showed up. Um, I haven't done an extended fast for uh, over a year. I, uh, the spring of last year, I, I did a long one. And I mention it only because that's really the only time I watch the Food Channel is when I'm on an extended fast. Because it gives me hope. It, it helps me have a, a sense of anticipation that my life is not over. And there will be food yet again. And, and so I, I, watch, I watch the Food Channel. I watch it religiously when I'm fasting. Religiously. And I do mean that religiously. Uh, I, I, I watch a, a number of things. And I download recipes that they give. It's the only time I do that. But I, I've told you before, the last, I did a 40-day fast years ago. I've only done one once. But I did a 40-day fast years ago. And, uh, and during the 40 days, I bought 29 cookbooks. <laughs> and if you've, ever bought, if you've ever bought anything on Amazon, Dot com, you know, you, you, you buy something, and then it says, people who bought that cookbook also bought these. And I, I'm not into words, I'm into pictures. Pictures sell me. And so I look at the pictures and I go, well, I see why they bought that one. Look at that, That's, I, I'm, I need to eat that, and I need to eat that. And so I, I bought cookbooks, I bought the last time I fasted. So I had double, so my daughter inherited from my... Uh, I forgot, I just forgot, because I, I don't use them. It's, it's, the, it's the worst part. I've, I, now I've never admitted this before. I've not cooked one thing out of any of those cookbooks, ever, ever. They are there to inspire me. They have pictures, I become inspired. <laughs> On the Food Channel. <laughs> On the Food Channel is the show that this morning I found out has a name. It's called Chopped. And in that, on that particular show, they put random ingredients together. Like random, and, and, the, and the chefs that are competing, they don't know what's there. And so then they lift the veil or whatever, and there's all these ingredients. <laughs> you know, they've got spicy mustard and sardines and cauliflower and, you know, all things that aren't related at all. And they put them together and they say, this is your challenge. And, and these guys are masters at cooking. And so they take these random ingredients and they make some exotic, you know, enjoyable meal. And uh, Romans 8 says, <laughs> says, buy cookbooks when you fast. That's what it says. Yeah. Romans 8 says that he causes all things to work together for good for those who love God. 
called according to his purpose. All the, all the ingredients, the ingredients you wouldn't have shopped or bought, all the ingredients of your life that you never signed up for, all the stuff that you regret, all the ingredients, as well as the good things, your yes, your faith, the breakthroughs, but then there's all the other stuff. The master chef is able to take this hodgepodge of ingredients and create a masterpiece. And that's his covenant with you. That's his covenant with me. Because that is true, the greater the reality, let, let me rephrase that, the greater our awareness of that truth, of that reality, the greater our bent to be thankful in everything. Ignorance in that one area of God's sovereignty causes us to trust ourselves over him. The absence of thankfulness is self-trust. The absence of thankfulness is self-trust. Thankfulness is one of the most profound weapons that God has given us in our arsenal. And I hope to take you through a number of verses just to show you some, some concepts on why God is building in us to be a thankful people. And I think probably most everybody in the room would say, I'm a thankful person, that you're a thankful person. Our problem is, is that we cultivate a thankful heart over all these things. We acknowledge God's in charge. He's the one who provided the job. He, he uh, you know, gave me uh, this child, he, whatever it might be. We have our list of things. But we almost all have something over here that we're not thankful for. And we justify it because it's the work of the enemy. Something bad happened in my life, this or that. And so we have a special category for things, hoping that God will just vindicate us, not realizing that being thankful, he said, in everything, give thanks. He didn't say, in almost everything, give thanks. It, neither did he say, just do your best. You know, I'm rooting for you. Just do your best. Just hang in there. Do your best. He didn't say that. He said, in everything, give thanks. In everything. So here's this glaring problem, this conflict, this disappointment, this whatever it might be. This is here, and I'm cultivating thankfulness here, but I'm unwilling to deal with this very thing that haunts me. What's the problem? Any area of my life in which I am unable or unwilling to, to give thanks for, that area will have a measure of influence and control over my life. And not for good. It, it, will, it will have a voice where it shouldn't have a voice. God, why is this constantly tormenting me? Because you've not buried it in thankfulness. Why is this thing constantly there? It doesn't ever go away. Because you've chosen not to express trust in this one thing. We pray the problem, but we, but we don't often give thanks for the effect it's having on the recipe. If we could see Romans 8, 28 more clearly, I think we'd be much quicker to give thanks for the IRS audit, the bad medical report the loss of this employment or whatever it might be, the stuff that goes on in all of our lives. He doesn't 
ever tell us to be thankful for evil. We are thankful that we have a sovereign God who is able to use what the enemy intended for evil for our benefit. And it's the expression of thankfulness that immerses that which is contaminated into the grace of God to where God now uses it for our benefit. In Psalms 100, he says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. Thanksgiving is all about presence. I will enter his gates. Where's the destiny? The destiny is the throne room of God. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I'll enter his course with praise. Thanksgiving is the specific response to the actions of God, the works of God. Praise is our response to his nature, his character. Thankfulness is always to introduce us to an increasing revelation of his nature. Moses said, let me know your ways that I might know you. The revelation of nature is the invitation for encounter. So when God gives us his protocol, it's not a, a formula that we use to manipulate God. It's how he functions. It's, it's almost like this is what the presence of the glorious one demands. It's, it, his commandments are not restrictive. They're not punishments. They are always invitations to life. Every commandment is an invitation to greater experiences in the life of Christ. And so he gives us this mandate. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. What's the result? In before the glory. Thankfulness is an expression of trust that keeps us conscious of the presence of God. Thankfulness, it's an expression of trust and it keeps us conscious of him, it keeps us conscious of the presence of God. One of my favorite uh, stories in the Bible is Moses up on the mountain with the almighty God face to face. And he comes down with a direction God has shown him what he's supposed to build. They're going to build this tabernacle. But when he comes down, he sees Israel playing the harlot. They are in absolute, the most grotesque sin one can imagine. He walks into the middle of that, does all kinds of stuff to restore order, bring them to repentance, and then he builds what God showed him to build. And the key verse for me is this. And Moses built according to what he saw on the mountain. I think I can say this accurately. Most believers catch a vision on the mountain and lose sight of it in the midst of a problem. And Moses succeeded to build what he saw up there when he got down here. It's the most challenging thing. And what does thankfulness do? 
thanks, the specific acts of thank, thanksgiving, not just the attitude of gratefulness, which I think is vital, but the specific acts of, of thankfulness connect us to our history in God and help to heal and restore memories as it's supposed to be embraced. Because those memories are what help us to carry on the mandate of the Lord. And Moses did according to what he saw on the mountain. It was the memory of that that helped him to be successful in his most perilous time. Memories. Thankfulness is what keeps us connected to our history in God. Our history. It's not just mine. It's our history in God. I want you to look at John chapter 6 with me. We've got a couple verses we'll, we'll go through. John chapter 6, this is where Jesus is feeding the 5,000. It says in verse 11, it says, And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those who were sitting down. Verse 23. Other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. Can I pay attention here? The Holy Spirit marked the location. So here we've got a location where Jesus, there's the multiplication of food, thousands of people eat after Jesus broke bread and gave thanks. The Holy Spirit wanted that place to be remembered. What was it remembered for? It was when Jesus took loaves broke them and give thanks. What's the point? What did, he, what did he have? He had not enough. And he gave thanks holding not enough. The sacrifice of Jesus was in response to human need, but the daily invasions of God are not according to human need. They're according to faith and obedience. And to ignore the protocol of God, to apprehend that which is in our life that we refuse to give thanks for is for us to mark a part of our life we don't need his grace in. In the midst of lack, Jesus gives thanks in the midst of lack. And in verse 23, it says, what's that place called? Oh, that's the place where he took bread and he gave thanks. He gave thanks for what wasn't enough. First Corinthians 11 is a good one. This is where Paul had received this revelation about the Lord's Supper. And he was communicating really the, the greatest truths we have in scripture on the subject here in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. And he said, um, he said, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, take and eat. Okay, what's the point? On the night, Jesus was betrayed. He took bread and gave thanks. 
See, thankfulness took, in John 6, a situation of extreme lack and turned it into extreme abundance where they ended up with more than they started with in the leftovers. Now, Jesus takes his moment, the most difficult moment, where he has poured himself into 12 people, 12 guys for three and a half years. At the end of which, one has a better idea. And for personal gain, sells the right, the access that he has to Jesus. And he betrays. On the night Jesus is betrayed, Jesus is fully aware of what Satan has inspired Judas to do. Fully aware of that. He takes the bread, he breaks it, and what does he do? He gives thanks. See, thanksgiving sanitizes your touch on the matters of your life. It decontaminates us from having influence, remaining flesh influence that that defiles that which God is doing and it's thankfulness that keeps us in a place where everything in my life now is usable by God because I have, I have I've cleansed myself, if you will. I, I don't know if I'm using the right language, but you can, you can help me out and figure it out. I, I have, I've, I've sanitized my own involvement in the affairs of my life through thankfulness toward this now is in the hands of the Lord to use on my behalf for his glory and on my behalf. And it's thankfulness that transitions that very tool that the enemy intended for evil. Perhaps the best example of this is found in 1 Timothy uh, chapter uh, 4. If you would look there with me. In light of the last passage of, of betrayal, what Thanksgiving does, what the act, specific, deliberate acts of expressions of thanksgiving. What it does is it, is it, um, it delivers me from the influence of the spirit of offense and bitterness. I personally think the two greatest dilemmas for the body of Christ that hinder us from maturity is unforgiveness and, uh, and disappointment, sorry. These two areas are the most crippling, they have the most cri- crippling effects on the hearts and minds of the people of God, those two things, resentment, bitterness, and disappointment. And what thankfulness does is it grabs the moment back. Even though the water's passed under the bridge, even though the disasters happened, even though I can't see any possible way for God to get glory out of this, it is a part of the recipe. And as a part of the recipe, I am going to give thanks because in the giving of thanks, I don't want to say God can't use it without my thankfulness. It's just somehow I get to be a participant when I yield and acknowledge trust in him over this challenging and difficult area. I remember, uh, well, I'll get to 1 Timothy 4 in a moment. I remember years ago, maybe 15 years ago, Benny and I were uh, eating at the French Laundry. Let's give thanks together for quality food. 
And I, I remember sitting, it's the first time we'd been there. We were there with the Bob and Cindy Kilpatrick. It's our first time we were there together. And, and, uh, and they, there's like nine courses. And they brought out this bowl of two of the things that I least like on earth. They are never to enter these lips, between these lips. I did not like caviar and did not like oysters. My wife actually, not very many know this, she tricked me one day. She was in a cooking class. She had a spoonful of what looked like blackberry jam. (laughs) When you are anticipating the sweetness of blackberry jam and you get a mouthful of fish eggs, it's not right. It's, It's not right at all. That spirit of deception was all over that moment, I'm telling you. (laughs) There was a sink close by, I got rid of it, and I had the same fondness for oysters. So I am now at the French Laundry, and I I could take you to the table I was sitting at. I could take you to the chair I was sitting at, and they brought this bowl of what's called oysters and pearls. Literally, Thomas Keller, Chef Thomas Keller is world famous for this dish. Oysters and pearls, oysters and caviar with this sauce. And I'm looking at oysters, I don't like you, caviar, I don't like you, and I don't know what the sauce is. But I looked over at Ben and I said, I'm spending too much money for this meal to not at least taste it. And so I took a bite of oysters and pearls. The angels began to sing. The heavens opened. I could see, you know, in the Old Testament where his eyes were brightened when he had the honey. That was me. I was in that moment. And I, I turned to Benny. I said, honey, I want a chili bowl full of this stuff. This was so good. <laughs> things I don't like became my favorite things when they came under the influence of the master chef. And every one of us have oysters <laughs> and caviar in our life, things that we're not fond of, but the master chef is at work. And with thankfulness, we literally yield in trust to the process where God gets glorified by the very parts that we regret the most. First Timothy chapter four, verse one, it says now, The Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits, doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. So here's this last day's warning of the power of deception, and then he goes into specifics. Forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Now think with me through this situation. What is the warning? The warning is of the perils of the last day and literally the spirit of deception that is trying to draw people into collapse of faith, uh, a a place of of, of moral spiritual failure. 
He warns about some of the things that people will believe that will dissuade and, and, and cause people to deter from their simplicity of faith in Christ. And he mentions food. And somehow he takes this most natural element of food and he says, if you receive it with thanks, I'm going to put it in my terms, in my words, so that I can illustrate my point. You receive this that the enemy put in front of you through the deceiving spirits for the collapse of your faith. When you receive this with thankfulness, that thing that was the tool to be used against you now becomes a tool that is for you. It's, it's almost, it's, I, I, this is the way I see it. It's like, now God is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants. So I, I, don't, I don't feel that we somehow limit or restrict him. He's sovereign God, but he has protocol. There's very specific processes in which he wants to perform and they become more challenging the older you get in Christ. You got a lot of leeway when you first come to Jesus. And he tightens the screws the further we walk with him. It's not punishment. It's because he's wanting to release greater glory. And that greater glory requires a more refined and specific intentional obedience. There's a sanctifying effect of thankfulness. Sanctifying, cleansing effect. It decontaminates my own heart and its attachment to different parts of life. I remember uh, a number of years ago, we had a a single mom who, who was down to her last $4 and later heard the story. Down to her last $4 and she thought, well, I'll just come on Sunday morning and I'll get a coffee at a Hebrews and, and, uh, and then just see what the Lord does, you know. So she got here and was ready to get her, her Hebrews glory. <laughs> Let's be honest, Glory. And, uh, and she felt, no, I'm just going to skip it. I'll just put it in the offering. And so she took what was huge to her that was insignificant in the measure of the entire offering. And it was her sacrifice. See, Thanksgiving is supposed to be a sacrifice. And it's not a sacrifice if it doesn't cost me. If I have $1,000 in my pocket and I give away $10, it wasn't a sacrifice. I won't even miss it. But for the gal who's got $4 in her pocket, and she decides to put that in the offering, that's everything. What she didn't know is that was Father's Day. And on Father's Day, we like to honor single moms. And having just placed her last $4 in the offering, I had single moms stand up and we blessed them. She overwhelmingly walked out of the place with over $400 that morning. 
because people just pour cash in your hand. Now, let's be honest. If it worked that way all the time, we'd have God the slot machine going every week. Here's four more. <laughs> what the Lord does is he gives you that breakthrough at the beginning of your journey that you are required to remember for the remainder of your journey because you'll have 10 more of those situations following in which there is no quick deliverance. The experience is not for us to figure him out. The, the experience is for us to endear our hearts to the one who always has a solution. In every situation, I get to figure out the process and go on this relational journey to see his breakthrough come once again. And in this situation, it's thankfulness. It's the specific act of thanksgiving for the very thing I least like in my life. It's that act of thankfulness that delivers me. It delivers me. I've, I've had more uh, challenging situations in the last six, eight months than I've had any time in my life. I'm preaching this to me. <laughs> this is the result of me saying, all right, what can I do? What should I do? What must I do to fully place every aspect of my life under, under the grace and tenderness of the Lord? I don't want anything standing out because I ignored it, because I missed my chance, because I, I just, uh, I wasn't feeling it. You know, there's something about thankfulness. In the Old Testament, in Nehemiah, in chapter, uh, uh, chapter 12, it says that he appointed two great choirs of thanksgiving. It actually, all this started after David became king. They started appointing thanksgiving choirs, which means what? You're assigned to give thanks. Don't wait till you feel it. You're not required to feel it. You're required to give it. Where if... If it's supposed to be a sacrifice, when is it the greater sacrifice? When your, your favorite team just won? Or you got a raise at work? Or you're finally able to buy that house? All important times to give thanks. Unless your team was playing against one of my teams. <laughs> All important times to give thanks. But the costly times of thanks. There's loss. There's the bad report. You mercy and grace. I thank you because you're bigger than this. I know that you will work this into the recipe. You've done it before. You took things I despised and you made them my favorite things. Oysters and pearls. <laughs> That's what thankfulness does is it captures our moments. It captures what seems to be the random parts of our life that could easily work against us. But when we grab hold of what God intended for good, see, I, I don't believe at all we're ever supposed to be thankful for evil itself. Never. Never. I can't celebrate the devil's work. But I, I also, I cannot afford to live impressed by the devil's work. In other words, living in reaction to what he has said or what he has done. It's got to be according to his promises. 
my encouragement to you today is to be very intentional and deliberate. And, and, and you don't have to feel it. See, in the kingdom, emotions, the emotional realm is trained through obedience. In the kingdom, the emotional world, our internal world, is actually trained through obedience. In the natural, before you came to Christ, you did what you felt like doing. But it's, the, it's a backwards way to live in the kingdom. In the kingdom, you do it because it's right. And it trains you what and how to feel and actually heightens your sensitivities to be more trustworthy. You okay? <laughs> when I was thinking about today, I was actually, I was wanting to talk about a number of different virtues, and, but I, I couldn't shake this one, this one expression. I, I speak again next week. Maybe we'll go on to some more. We'll see, but. I feel, like, I feel like the most surprised weapon of all, maybe equal to God sending choirs out into battle before the army. That was an unexpected strategy. Well, so is thankfulness in the midst of your worst situation. It's an unexpected strategy. Nothing is outside of the reach of my thankfulness. All right, why don't you stand? It's probably enough. <laughs> because thankfulness is, is so profoundly... I just remembered an experience with my mother-in-law when she was dying. Before she went into a coma, she would just spontaneously come up with things and the family sitting there writing them down because some of them were brilliant and some were just hilarious. You know, when you're in between two worlds, you tend to, you know. And she wanted to say profound and she wanted to say the word happy. And instead of saying either, she said profappy. <laughs> profappy. So we've coined that as a family. That is now our latest expression. How you doing? I'm profappy. I'm profappy. I'm profoundly happy. Don't be surprised if you see t-shirts with my family right around. I'm profappy. I'm profappy. The profound impact of thankfulness. is that it transforms every situation that we become thankful for. And what it does is it connects us with hope. It connects us to hope because thankfulness, it comes back to the nature of God, the covenant of God, what he has, covenant he has made with us, his promise. All things work together. All the parts of the recipe he's going to use in a way that he's exalted and we're strengthened. It's his promise with us. And thankfulness itself restores hope where we have little hope. 
So let me pray for you. Father, I ask that you would help us again as a family uh, with this an, an unusual grace, a, a profound happy, a profappy, a, a profappy ability to, uh, to embrace the surprising things of life and to yield them to you with thankfulness. We do acknowledge you're good. We do acknowledge. You know, the unwillingness for me to be unwilling to give thanks is for me to actually trust in me above him. And things have never turned out well in my life when I've trusted in me instead of him. So God, I pray for that realization to rest upon us as a church body for the glory of God. And give special grace throughout this day to look at the most challenging parts of our life and to honestly celebrate with expressions of thankfulness your goodness. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Bethel Church Sermon of the Week. If you'd like to partner with us in discipling nations and fueling personal revival, you have the opportunity to give at Bethel.tv forward slash podcasts forward slash donate. Let's bring heaven to earth together. Have a blessed day.